the word of God spoke into the world anteater and wildebeest, badger, man and woman. The word of God did. And then when, when the creation went astray from God, God spoke the word again. He spoke the seed of the word, the eternal word of God into the womb of a woman. And there the word of God grew. The word grew and it grew and it grew and it grew until the word of God became a man. And then imagine this, the word of God preached the word of God and he told us a story. He told us a story about a farmer who went out and sowed the seed and the seed brought life. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. The teaching for the sermon is a teaching from Jesus. I want to invite you to please stand out of respect for the, the, the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. The teaching for today comes from Mark chapter 4. It's a couple of parables from Jesus. This is what he teaches us. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. With some of Jesus' parables, we have to ask the question what do they mean? And so what you do is you end up spending time shoveling out the meaning of the story. So like, for example, you got the story about this young man who really hates his dad and wishes that he were dead. And he asks for his inheritance early. He takes it, he squanders the wealth, and then he comes home. And his dad welcomes him. 
and you have to shovel out the meaning. Or you hear a story about this, this crazy, shrewd manager. It seems like he does something so immoral. Moral. He takes his master's wealth, he uses it to pay off debts of other, other people, just writes them off the books because he knows he's going to get fired. And you wonder what it all means. And you got to lean into it. You got you to gotta dig out the meaning. Or you hear a story about this rich man who's got this beggar right there at his gate, and he does nothing about it, and he ends up spending eternity thinking about it. And you end up having to meditate on that and chew on that and think about it. What does this mean? Some stories from Jesus, you got to do that. You got to think about it. You got you to think about what in the world does this thing mean, but not these stories. <laughs> we know exactly what they mean. You got you gotta, you gotta, you gotta a story here about an ignorant, sleeping farmer. <laughs> He's so much different than Farmer Herbert. That's my grandpa. Farmer Herbert would get up early in the morning, he'd plant the seed, then he'd water the seed, then he'd fertilize the seed, then he'd put the perfect weed killers around the seed. Remember when I visited him in upstate New York in the summertime, he'd be up and already back when I was getting up. That was Farmer Herbert. So much different than Farmer Jonathan. You know what I did last fall? I took the Halloween pumpkins that we had on our porch, and at the behest of my wife, I shoved them in a corner of the yard. She kept saying, put them in the garbage. I just left them there. You know what happened? The girls came in from the yard the other day. They said, you'll never believe it. There's a pumpkin growing. That's what this farmer is like. He sows the seed. I'm not even sure that we should call him a farmer. Maybe we should just call him a sower because it's all he does in this story. He sows the seed and then he takes a nap. And then he gets up. It's like he forgets about it altogether. And stuff grows. The seed goes down. Jesus said it. It pokes its little head up out of the ground, so bold, so brave. <laughs> Kernels start to come in, Jesus says, and then it's the full kernel in the head all along. You've got this ignorant, sleeping farmer. By the way, I, I think we're still ignorant. Science can make observations about a lot of things, but that's all it can do. We don't really understand it. That's true of a lot of life. You can observe that at conception, cells start to divide. You can observe that. You still don't know anything about life from that, though. Not really. You can observe a couple lovers walking on the beach. You can see that, but you still don't know what love is from that. 
Observation, seeing things, is not yet understanding. We're so ignorant of how seeds work. We can observe it all day long. We're so ignorant. It's such a miracle. I mean, think about it. I think it's such a miracle. You can take this little seed, like a watermelon seed, and you put it in the ground. And all of a sudden, you you watch it, and it turns into this melon, this beautiful green striped melon. And inside is this sugary sweet. I think of it as nature's Gatorade. How does it do that? I mean it. How, do you, how does it do that? We're so ignorant. I mean, I can go outside and I can start with a chemistry set and take soil and water and mix it around all day and the only thing I'm ever going to get is mud. But take a seed and you put it in the ground and it has such a power that it can take the soil and the water and turn it into this striped green with an inside that I like to think of as nature's Gatorade. We're so ignorant. So we don't have to ask what the parable means. It's easy to understand. It's a straight comparison. We know from the rest of the chapter of Mark chapter 4 that the seed is the word of God. And we know that that the ground is the human heart. And so what Jesus is talking about is what happens when the seed goes into the human heart. It creates life. And the teaching of the parables that what we need to do is sow the seed into the heart and, and be patient. Wait for it to grow. So we don't have to, we don't have to ask what it means. The better question is this. What does that do to us? You know what I think it does? It trashes other visions of how the church works. According to Jesus, the church is not a rocket ship. Oh man, every Christian wishes it was. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice, you know, you put on your engineer cap, you, you find the right principles, you, you get some fuel in the thing, then you light a match, and the thing takes off. We all wish it was like that because we're Christians and we want to see the word of God spread. We want the church to be like a rocket ship. It just... And it takes off. Jesus trashes the image. And we need them to trash the image. All of us want it to be different. We know it shouldn't be quite like that. Like I was talking at Wednesday night church, I was talking to this young woman. She says, you know, you got to be really careful about the really big churches, the ones that go grow really fast because they're probably not actually telling you the way it really is from the word of God. She's right. You got to be careful. So we have some questions about churches that take off like rockets. But even so, we want it to be like a rocket ship. We just want to know how it goes. We want to be able to light the fuse and, and off it goes. We want, to, we want to be like Jesus. We got it right. We, we, can just, we can just do the music and we can get this awesome preacher and then the church is just... And Jesus, you better get ready because, you know, we're, we're getting it done down here, Jesus. 
You know, we want that. I was, uh, I was thinking how vulnerable we can be to this. I, I got an ad. You know how Facebook is? They have the perfect algorithms they, they do, they got, so they, they find the perfect ads. Like one time my wife was searching like fire pits and then all of a sudden I'm getting ads for fire pits on Facebook. Well, well I got an ad the other day and it must have been engineered for pastors because the ad said, Churches in the United States are no longer growing. Come to this seminar. We'll teach you the secret to growth. So pastors are vulnerable. And church members are vulnerable because church members, are, you know, sometimes you feel good or bad about your church based upon how fast it grows or doesn't grow. And church musicians can feel good about themselves, whether, whether they did a good presentation of the music or not. And pastors can do that too. And, and even Christians, in, in your walk with other people, you share the word of God and you wonder, did I say it wrong? Because that person didn't immediately receive the word of God. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not a rocket ship. It's a garden. And what the church does is she plants seeds. You know, pastors have to think about how to apply these things to churches. And I was thinking about how do I apply this story to my church? I'm surprised I'm saying this, but it wouldn't have surprised me to have to preach this sermon as an encouragement to a church that is kind of beat up. We're starting getting close to seven years of ministry here at Peace. And over the years, people have said to me over and over again, they'll say, they've said to me, you know, this church is going to take off. That's what they say. It's going to take off, Pastor. And it never quite has. Now people say, it's going to take off, Pastor. I, say, I think to myself, and often I say, maybe, maybe. And I get concerned about it. I get concerned about it because, you know, when people go to Fort Lauderdale and they are waiting for NASA to do liftoff, and then the liftoff never quite comes, see, that can be disappointing. But see, I've never sensed any disappointment here at Peace. It seems like everybody who's ever come out to watch a rocket ship launch ends up putting on their garden hat. And you know what I think I can do is instead of encouraging a down and out church, I think what I can do is simply say this shouldn't we just celebrate? You know what I feel like today? I feel like Farmer Jonathan. And we all are. Because I feel like what's happened is we planted a seed in the ground. And if you look around, it's beautiful. And we all have to ask ourselves this question, where did it come from? Where did it come from? It's so sweet. It's so beautiful. It's got perfect green stripes. Look around this place. 
It's a beautiful church. It's God's Gatorade for the world. You know what I think we should do about that? I think we should just plant more seeds. And how about this piece? Then after we do, take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going on vacation again next Sunday. <laughs> so we don't have to ask what this scripture is about. It's about planting seeds, waiting for God to do his work, and he will. It's a pretty straight story. The next one is two. You get a story about the smallest of garden seeds, a mustard seed. It goes down into the ground and it becomes the largest garden plant. I was walking recently with one of my friends. We were walking down this path. And along the path on the left, there's this tiny little garden. And one of my friend's friends comes out of his house. It was right the path was right behind his house. And he comes out, and the guy finds out I'm a pastor. And he says, pointing to this tall garden plant, he says, did you know that that's a mustard plant? And then he goes, and he rips off a little piece of the plant, and he puts it in my hand, and he says, this is mustard seed. And he says, have you ever seen one of these before? And I said, no, sir, I haven't seen one of these before. And it's this tiny thing. And I'm ogling it in my hand, this tiny, tiny little seed. And right there in front of me are these mustard greens that are towering over the rest of the garden. And sure enough, they were tall enough for the birds to rest in the shade. It's a beautiful little story. It's easy to tell why Jesus tells them both together. You get the first story and Jesus says, I want you to take off your engineer cap and I want you to slap on your sun hat and I want you to realize this isn't Fort Lauderdale, this is your backyard garden. And what we got to do is we got to start planting seeds. Yes, it's true. Other things matter. There are secondary issues that we care about here at Peace. Yes, it is true that we want everybody who comes in these doors to, to be loved and to be served and to be welcomed. But I got some truth for you here. Loving somebody has never brought anybody to faith. But loving somebody with God's word has. And yes, it's true, we want to have the best music possible. We want to have the best preaching possible. We want to do the very best. But I'll tell you what, good presentations have never brought anybody to faith. But I'll tell you what does. The Word does. The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. That's what works. The Word of God is sufficient. It is enough. It does everything in God's garden. That's the first story. But the second story is a story that asks you to lift your eyes to the skies. See, the second story isn't a story about a carrot or a potato. 
By the way, I'm not trying to diss them. I eat my carrots if only because my mother tells me to do it. By the way, I also like french fries a lot. I have nothing against carrots and potatoes, but it's not the story that Jesus told. He told a story about the smallest seed that turns into the biggest garden plant. And so it's a story about the the hidden power, the mystery packed into the seed of the word. That a little seed becomes this massive thing. So big that that birds can perch in the branches. So big that, as we talked about in the first lesson, that, that birds, the Gentiles, even the Gentiles can come and rest in the shade in God's garden. So taken together, you have a promise from Jesus that his word is enough in size and power to get it done. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. So it's not hard to understand what the stories are saying. But the better question this morning is this. What does that do to us? I've got a friend, a dear friend. We have the same conversation, it seems, every single week. Almost every week we have the same conversation in some way, shape, or form. How do we reach people today? We want to reach people, we have the same conversation, different ways, different forms, different shapes. We have the same conversation almost every single week. And Jesus takes the conversation and he focuses it. And he says, I want you to view it this way. How do you reach people? The word, the word, the word, the word. What should we do with this parable? What does it do to us? I'll tell you what it does. It encourages you to plant seeds in hope. We plant seeds everywhere, in every way, in hope. Maybe I'm saying that more for myself than... I am for you. You can decide. I was sitting on the front porch a few weeks ago. We do that at our house on Sunday nights. Every Sunday night, we sit out on the front porch and we talk to the neighbors, whoever's walking by, and we pet the dogs, and we sit on the front porch and we hang out as a family every Sunday night. And we're sitting there, this Sunday night, I can't remember which one it was, but I get a text. It's the family text thread. And my little brother has sent this video of this Christian song. I haven't heard the song in years, but he sends this Christian song. And it's a song 
that interprets words from Isaiah. And the song is entitled, This is My Word. And I'm listening to this song, and all of a sudden, tears break out. And I say to my wife, who's sitting there next to me, I say to her, I had no idea how much I needed that. I'm not telling you that because I want you to pity me. I really don't want you to pity me. I tell you that because I'm hoping that maybe you can relate to me a little bit. When you deal in the Word of God all the time, like I do, it maybe hits you first and heaviest, but ultimately it hits every single Christian. There is a story that can develop in your life. I think of it as the story of the black thumb. And it's a story that happens to you and develops in your heart after you deal with the Word of God in people's lives. And you see failure after failure after failure after failure. Jesus told a story about that too, by the way. It's also right here in Mark chapter 4. He told a story about how sometimes when the Word of God goes out, it lands on a rocky path and then birds come and they snatch it up. He told a story about how sometimes the Word of God goes into people's lives and it gets choked out by thorns. And he said what happens is troubles come into people's lives and they give up on the faith or, or the pursuit of, of money and, and the deceitfulness of wealth gets in the way and it just chokes out the word of God in people's lives. And so what happens is you see this happen in, in people's lives over and over and over again and sometimes you can start believing that that's the only truth. And when you get there, all of a sudden you stop believing the story that Jesus tells here, which is the story of the green thumb. And you start telling the story of the black thumb. And sometimes as a Christian, what you have to do is you have to fight it. I remember um, last time I preached here, it was our snapback Sunday, and I was preaching on the third commandment, and I was fighting it. It's amazing how many things can run through your head while you're preaching a sermon. I'm just fighting it. I'm preaching this sermon about how Jesus wants us to gather. He wants us to get around the Word of God. And I'm thinking about all the people who are receiving this online. And I'm thinking, does it matter? Is it a black thumb? Will they come back? And I'm thinking about the people that I've, I've counseled in their marriages. I'm bringing the word to their marriages. And, and, and sure enough, by the third time, it seems like nothing has changed. They're still right there in front of me fighting. I can proliferate the examples. I'm not going to do it. She won't change. He won't soften. They won't lead. You know? The story of the black thumb. So I'm listening to this song. And tears are in my eyes. And I'm, think, I'm saying to my wife, I can hardly believe how much I needed that. The word, the word, the word, the word. 
And I'm realizing that right there, right then, the word of God had gone into my heart and gone into my cracked soil and brought me new life. And if you think about it, of course it had. The word of God spoke into nothingness. And it called forth light and dark, sea and sky. The word did that. The word of God spoke forth flies and fish and fowl. The word did. The word of God spoke into the world anteater and wildebeest badger man and woman. The word of God did. And then when, when the creation went astray from God, God spoke the word again. He spoke the seed of the word, the eternal word of God into the womb of a woman. And there the word of God grew. The word grew and it grew and it grew and it grew until the word of God became a man. And then imagine this, the word of God preached the word of God and he told us a story. He told us a story about a farmer who went out and sowed the seed and the seed brought life. He said that seed was going to become a massive, massive garden plant. And he said, you know what? I'm going to be the first seed. That's what he went on to say. He said, I'm going to be the seed. He said, unless I am buried, unless I go into the ground, he said, unless I go down there, something won't come up and create many seeds. And so that's just what he did. See, the word of God, it started so small, seemingly so insignificant, a cross, a burial. But then, new life poked up out of the ground. First, a little stalk, then a few kernels on the head, then the whole thing. And today it's become a massive garden plant where even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles, even the Gentiles here can rest in the shade. So I'm sitting there listening to this song. This is my word. And I start thinking about you. I stop thinking about the marriages that haven't changed. I'm thinking about the ones that have. I start thinking about how she repented and he changed and they lead. I'm thinking about you.
Now the word says you are forgiven. And you actually believe it. Now the word says God cares for you and you actually believe it. Now the word says that God has got you no matter what and you actually believe it. Now the word says I want you to do this and you actually want to do it. I want to close today this way. Two reflections. One is for you as individual Christians. The other is for us corporately as a church. The first is for you as an individual Christian. You're not a rocket ship. Oh man, I'll bet you wish you were. Don't you wish that your spiritual life was just, you know, straight up all the time? You're not a rocket ship. You are a garden. And what that means is that hot spells will come and cold spells will too. That sometimes you will get cut and sometimes you will grow. You are not a rocket ship. You are a garden. Remember that. But remember especially this. How Jesus says, gardens grow. You plant seeds. You plant seeds. And the seed is the word. Remember that. And now for us together as a church. There was a very kind fellow church planner who once said to me a few years ago, he said, you will be surprised at how little you get done in one year. But you will be amazed at what God does in 10. I'm just starting to think I understand what he meant. Organic life takes time. Some seeds take. Some seeds don't. But eventually, the seed that is planted and takes can become, according to Jesus, a massive plant where more and more and more people can take their shade. Look around. In that song I told you about, at the end of the song, there's a bridge. The whole song has God talking, using Isaiah's words. But the song breaks in with a prayed response from the church. And the church in the song and the bridge prays this, O Lord, when I am weary... When I feel the days I'm living are in vain. My God, help me be faithful to the word you have given to proclaim. And then the God responds to the church with a quote from the prophet Isaiah. He says, proclaim my word, church. And you will go out in joy 
and be led forth in peace and the hills will break, will break before you into song. And I love this line that comes next. So be faithful, brave, and true, for I will go before you. And when your earthly journey here is done, I'll say, well done. This is my word. So put on your sun hat, toss a seed, take a nap, and then watch God grow a plant where more and more people may be saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the great teacher. And you show us how the world really runs. Break us from stories like rocket ships or black thumbs and teach us to see the world the way it is. A world in which your word goes out and makes life. Help us to be brave and true and loyal and bring your word to a dying world. In your name, Jesus, I pray.